Hello and welcome to Podiums in the Paddock. I'm Carla and I'm here with Katie and today you're joining us for the F15 where we discuss the top five stories in the Formula One news cycle this week. Before we start, Katie, how are you going today? I am very good. I'm a little bit tired and delirious. Yeah, you went to Tasmania, right? Yes, I had a big weekend over in Tassie. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, that is the little island bit at the bottom of Australia. Mm. So yes, I am a bit tired and I apologise for any delirium. But I am ready to go. How are you? I'm good. When Katie was in Tasmania, I was minding both of our puppies. So that was a bit crazy. She's been a single mum to two for the last four days. I have. It was challenging, but rewarding, as they say all parenting is. So (laughs) anyway, so coming up this week, we have got the, or maybe you'll hear about that soon, the Imola Grand Prix. And Just going I, for the shortened name. Yeah. I'll, you'll hear about that soon too. <laughs> what are you feeling about that? Do you have any predictions? Who are your top three? Wow. If top, it happens. Top three right off of the bat. Yeah. Look, Max and Checo in Always. one of the two orders. And I would love to see a Ferrari on the podium. It is at Imola. Hmm. And I mean, I'd love to see both Ferraris, but I just don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to say Max, Checo, Charles. Hmm. I think I'm going to go, yeah, Max, Checo, Alonso. Oh, something new and different. I know. I know the predictions are getting a bit boring recently because it's so obvious who's going to happen. Do we have any rogue predictions? Like anything you think? might spicily happen. I would love to see Nick DeVries get a point. Get some points. He can get more than one if he wants. If he wants. I'd love to see him get some points. So I'm going to put that out to the universe as a very good prediction. Yeah, I think he needs it. What about you? Yeah. I think I'm going to predict that the rain's predominantly done on slicks. (laughs) The rain's done on <laughs> The rain's sorry, oh my god. See, single she, parenting. I'm meant to be the tired one. I know, I know. The race is done predominantly on slicks. Wow. Yeah, ballsy, considering ballsy. it's been pouring down with rain. So yeah. Wow. Or maybe my bold prediction is that it doesn't happen. You can only have one. I know, you I know. You can't predict two things. Okay, 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 okay. That are the opposite of each that, other. It doesn't happen. You're predicting that the race doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm predicting no race. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, not manifesting it, but I'm predicting. But anyways. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with our predictions. I hope that there is a race, especially if I decide to wake up for it at whatever (laughs) ridiculous time it's on in Australia. I haven't been able to check. Like, I just can't bring myself to do it. I think it's like 1am. Yeah. But let's let's dive in to the news cycle from this week because it has it's been happening. Let's dive in. Story number one. So my first story is from Fox Sports. Shock Ricardo return this year. Shut down despite struggling rookies yellow card. So probably a lot of you have heard the rumors that Daniel Ricardo could have been coming back to F1 this year much sooner than we thought. Carla is leaving. Carla is drinking water. A lot of you have probably heard that rumour, but Dr. Helmut... How did he become 
become a doctor, by the way. How did he become one? How did, yeah. Is I don't he, know. Probably is he a doctor? Like, you're going to be a doctor? Would you like me to live Google? Yeah. I'm curious. Is he, like, an MD? Or is he PhD? Or is he, like, you know how Taylor Swift got an honorary doctorate somewhere? At NYU, maybe? Sorry, so. I'm just cacking because I started driving in. Is helmet. But I was like, is a helmet needed for biking? For cycling? <laughs> And I was like, oh, <laughs> surely people know that. <laughs> He's got a doctorate in law. He's got a doctorate in law. If you and me were combined into one person, it would yeah. be him. Oh my God, dreams. So, there have been recent rumours that Daniel Ricciardo could be coming back to F1. Some people have been saying that he might be taking Nick DeReeves' spot because he's been struggling a lot in the Alpha Tauri and... They basically said that they've given him a yellow card with basically saying that he has to improve or he will be out. Yeah. But those... Which uh, feels a bit unfair. I mean, he's had four races. I know. I feel really bad for him. And he has been struggling, but, you know, so that's not necessarily his fault. But any hopes that Daniel Ricciardo might be coming back have been basically shut down by Helmut Marco, the boss of Alpha Tauri. And... Red Bull. Yeah. And which does make a lot of sense because they've got so much junior talent in the Red Bull, like, I can't remember what it's called, like training program or the Red Bull Junior program. And so even if they were getting rid of Nick, it wouldn't make sense to sit him in an AlphaTauri. Like, it wouldn't make sense for Daniel Ricciardo to replace him in an AlphaTauri. I don't think Daniel Ricciardo would want to go. No, and he's said that. He wants to be racing for a really competitive team if he can race. So, Carla, who are the people who might be taking this place if this happens? So, we have Liam Lawson, who is a Kiwi reserve driver, basically, for Red Bull. He finished third in F2... Last year and is currently racing in the Super Formula in Japan. And the other alternative who has been getting a lot of hype as well is Umu Iwasa, a Japanese driver who is currently in the fight for F2 and he's been performing super well. So I can see why he's definitely getting the attention of the AlphaTauri and Red Bull management. He's showing a lot of promise and so is Liam Lawson. So it's pretty tricky. Tricky position to be in. Be hard being Nick DeVries and seeing these super competitive guys. Mm. You know that they're just chomping at the bit to get your seat. And I think that just adds to the pressure, which probably then makes it harder for him to have a good drive. Yeah. I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about when he filled in and did that Williams race for Alex Albon. He did such a good job. He scored in the points for his first ever race, and a lot of that was the reason that they kind of went towards picking him rather than, you know, one of those other rookies. But maybe it is just the pressure. Maybe it's Mm. the, you know, the car. Obviously, it's a different car. But that pressure would be building up. Yeah. Heaps. Well, it's like he didn't market himself as a rookie and they didn't take him on as a rookie. Like, they took him on, I think, expecting a fully experienced driver and he wanted to present as that and to be a benchmark for Yuki Tsunoda. But ultimately... 
he is a rookie. Like, he, this is his first year in F1, and I think we do need to treat him like that. Give him a little bit of a chance. So, Carla, if Nick can't turn it around and he does get booted, who would you like to see in his seat? I think I would like to see Liam Lawson. We have to support him. We live in Australia. Having a Kiwi driver is close enough. Yeah. You know? It's actually pretty wild, to be honest, like, being from Australia. And there's been quite a few Australians on the grid, considering there's we're quite a small population and so far from Europe. Mm. Like, it is wild. And New Zealand's even smaller and further from Europe. Yeah, that's true. When do you think this is going to kick off? Like, a lot of people have been saying the summer break. Do you think they're going to give him that long, or...? I think they'll give him to the summer. Well, I think it depends if he improves a little bit mm. in the next few races. They might give him to the summer break. I think it's fair to give him to the summer break. Four races is not that long no. in an F1 car. And he is a rookie. Like, yes, they might have tried to present him as something else. He might have tried to present himself as something else. But at the end of the day, he is a rookie. Four races for a rookie did not be going that well. Yeah. Doesn't seem too bad, but yeah. It's interesting as well. I've heard different critiques about him or not to critiques I guess like perspectives because on one hand I've heard people say the benefit of Nick DeVries is his like adaptability which is why he was able to be in an Aston Martin one day then the next day he was in the Williams and scored points but then based on his previous um, experience in racing so I think it took him three years to win F2 and then Formula E he I think maybe took a year and then won and then came eighth the next year. So he is apparently known for taking a little while to get to grips, but then once he's got it, he's really got it. And so if you knew that about yourself and then had this pressure, it would be so hard. Yeah, I definitely feel bad for him. Yeah. What's our second story, Carla? Our second story is from Motorsport Magazine. Alonso's F1 success and US funding rumors. What's behind Alpine boss's outburst? So after the Miami Grand Prix, CEO of the Alpine brand, Laurent Rossi, ripped into his own team, which was a bit red hot, and was calling their performances amateur. But there's also been rumors that part of the team might be being sold to an American dealership network, which is pretty wild because Alpine is so, is obviously being Renault and is so French. I'm pretty sure it's part owned by the French government as mm. well, slash the French people. So for that even to be a consideration, I think is such a big deal because they're so proud of that team. And when that team's doing well, my understanding is that it's like the whole nation is really proud of it. So that's huge. So yeah, so basically some people have been speculating that Laurent Rossi kind of going in on his team is a strategic attack, which is designed to kind of shake things up and give some visibility to the problem so that people are aware and have a chance to fix them before they take the remedial action that Laurent Rossi sees as appropriate. The team principal of Alpine, Otmar, sorry, Otmar, I'm not going to try to say your last name. I'm going to butcher it. I will practice and be better next time. appeared to be the prime target of the Alpine boss. And basically, it's not really easy seeing him surviving this onslaught. Last year, they were singing his praises. And that's what I've just realized watching Formula One for a few years is how quickly the tide can change, even for the people who are at the top. I would hate hate that job. Yeah. Because, 
you know, there's so much that they can't control. Yeah, they obviously have a big input, but there's a lot they can't control and then they just get axed so easily. So, yeah, it really seems like they're kind of getting a picture up in our heads so that when they get rid of him, Mm. no one's really surprised and that maybe the the American business that they want to invest is kind of looking at the business and thinking, oh, you know, it's not a bad business. There's just someone bad. Yeah, that's a that was point. in quotation, Otmar. I think you seem lovely. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We don't want to be Otmar right now, but it's interesting because you know Alpine aren't going horribly compared to how they were last year. No, I think in terms of general competitiveness, they're only one second off the front of the grid. Yeah, and they're still somewhere in the upper middle field, but you know more or less where they were last year and they wanted to be fourth and, and yeah like they were last year and, and be fourth by more but they've had a few big crashes like the one in australia oh yeah chaos and but you know then they had some problems with pierre gasly's car catching on fire and all of that but i wouldn't necessarily say that they've been going shocking no and i also feel like they've not they've not exactly been the most well-oiled ship for a really long time you know but Also, the fact that Aston Martin is doing so well, if Aston Martin hadn't jumped all the positions that they should have never jumped, really, if they hadn't done that, Alpine would be still sitting probably fourth, like still best of the rest. And I don't know that this would be the same onslaught, but when you see a team like Aston Martin go from literally the back of the grid Mm -hmm. to coming second in the constructors, that would put a lot of pressure on. And I think it probably doesn't help when it's the driver they used to drive for your team is now winning and has been on the podium every race Mm, yeah he's so far all but one which is crazy so I guess Aston Martin have kind of maybe shown them up a little bit about and shown them what's possible for a midfield team or a lower midfield team and so it's definitely amped up the pressure but I would not like to be Otmar right now I think being a team principal would be a really tough job so you're in our thoughts (laughs) Okay, Katie, what's our next story? Okay, this is from WTF1. Christian Horner says, insane F1 calendar is almost at breaking point. So we've heard a lot, I feel like this year, with the amount of races we have, that it's really pushing the teams and everyone who works for the teams. Christian spoke to the Financial Times about how how much the F1 calendar is growing. We have 23 races this year. It was going to be 24, but the China Grand Prix didn't happen, so they just didn't replace it. And we have six sprint races on top of that. So it's a lot of racing and it's a lot of work for the teams. Christian was basically saying, yeah, fans get get more racing, which is a real positive for us, and we love having that extra racing to watch. But... It's, it is a lot, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that I feel like a lot of people wouldn't know. And some teams have actually been using staff rotation, so rotating staff mm. to make sure they're not getting burnt out, which, you know, does kind of bring into question how feasible it is to do um, that many races. Christian kind of says that Stefano Domenicali, the F1 president and CEO, kind of is saying, well, we don't want to lose our classic races like Monza and and Monaco, but he also 
keeps bringing in new races and you know new exciting places or with new tracks like they've brought in Miami and Las Vegas yeah and so Christian was kind of saying it's kind of difficult to say no and that's how these races just build up and up yeah it's getting crazy especially because they are talking about adding at least an additional American race and perhaps if they shook up the calendar like even say they kept this number of races which I already think is probably a bit unsustainable for teams to do but plan them slightly better because it feels like they go they go Australia and they go to um, Azerbaijan then they go to Miami then they're going back to Europe they're just darting around Mm. I think then they go to Montreal maybe and so it's not as though the calendar is planned in a way where it really minimizes the amount of travel, like the burnout you'd be experiencing even in terms of jet lag would be not, crazy. Not if you have color signs, jet lag yeah. plans that is storage for us. I know, true. But it would be hard. And also, I mean, considering they're trying to commit to sustainability and mm. yada, 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 but like it's not just swapping to biofuels that's going to make the difference. It's going to be making sure that these races are planned out in a more like linear fashion, I guess, because shipping all the different parts and the people all over the world week to week, it doesn't make sense. Like it really hasn't. So they need to do something. Yeah, 100%. And what do you think is more important? Do you think it is important that we have new races in places like Las Vegas and Miami? Or do you think keeping the classics, the Silverstones, the Monacos, the Monzas, Mm. is should be the if you had to pick one. Oh, I think we should be keeping the more traditional ones. I understand that Monaco short sure, it's usually really boring. I get that, but I don't know. I just think Europe is Formula 1's home. I understand that they want to bring it to America and increase its popularity, but I just don't know that the classic tracks are the ones that should be going. I agree. I don't know. It's it's tricky. I, I understand from both perspectives, from a business perspective. I totally see why the F1 bosses would like it to, would like there to be more American races. And I'm sure American fans, of course, would like there to be more American races. But F1 has been such a part of the culture in Britain, for example, from its inception, really. Mm. So I just don't think bringing in new races should be at the expense of losing those classic tracks. But then at the same time, you can't do both either. So yeah, it's it's very tricky. And I also saw that Christian Horner was saying that there is a point of saturation. Do you think it would be better for there to be less races so that we kind of don't get too bombarded by F1 or like it doesn't get too much for fans? I don't think we're at the point now where it's too much. I know there was so much talk during the the four-week break where there was meant to be the Chinese Grand Prix and people really did miss it. Yeah. But I think too many more. I don't think we need more. I think this many, especially with the sprint races, is a for, talking about the fans and, you know, forgetting the burnout and the that will the work. I think it's a good amount. I don't necessarily think we need more. I don't know what that point of saturation would be. Mm, neither. I think fans, you know, would like. I mean, I'd like to watch F one every weekend. Yeah. But I, you know, understand that you know, not possible. So I think it's going to be more of a saturation for 
the, all the work that has to go in it rather than for the fans. Yeah. Although I must say, I feel like we make such a big weekend out of an F1 race week. But that then, also might be because we're in Australia and it has to really, like, if you're in England mm-hmm. and you could just watch, and also because we have a podcast. <laughs> True. But we also, if you watch practice and then you watch the, like, qualifying and then you watch the race, it is actually, like, it does a big a lot of time. time commitment. I obviously would like, but I think, say you had 52, which they would never have. I think you'd have people more inclined to miss watching it. Yeah, that's true. Because it wouldn't be as special, but it's like the fact that it is every couple weeks or whatever. Yeah. You're like, oh, I can't miss it because then it'll be a couple weeks till I see it next. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't, I, know if that I don't sense, think we but... need it anymore. Definitely. But yeah, it's very, it is very tricky. Anyway. Bella, what is our fourth story? So, we have some of the teams making some memes so mercedes haas and formula one fans give the meme treatment to hilarious 17 word title for the imola grand prix and that is from Talksport. so formula one is back after a week off and we are traveling to one of the most historic circuits which is imola well it was imola <laughs> for branding purposes and for motorsports fans that's how we know it but the full and correct name for this weekend is the Formula One, get ready, the Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Premio del Made in Italy e del Emilia Romagna 2023 Grand Prix. That's really long. That is 17 words. absurd. Crazy for branding. Um, so all these teams have been getting in on the joke. So Mercedes, Haas, I think Aston Martin have all made some really funny memes on their Instagram and stuff about the crazy long name. But Ferrari, of course, this is an important race for them. This is like a home race. So they've been keeping it very serious, very formal. Um, just before we started recording though, um, and we didn't want to miss on saying this really, the upcoming race could be under threat because there is wild weather wreaking havoc on the area where the Imola Grand Prix, I'm not going to say the full name, where the Imola Grand Prix is. So. They've got torrential rain and flood warnings, and we live in New South Wales where there was horrific flooding late, la- early last for a, year? For a lot of last year. Yeah, for honestly, for a lot of last year. And so apparently the race is still going ahead, but based on all the things that we saw after the floods, I feel like things don't just come back, mm. back together that quickly. So the Imola Regional Weather Service has issued a red warning which is their highest level so yeah be interesting to see how it turns out it should ease um ahead of the race but yeah qualifying on saturdays set to be hit with a fresh rainfall and a potential storm i know the japan race last year oh yeah where it rained for like the first few hours and we were they going got... on dog walks yeah we, we got so much done yeah we we were just waiting around so we could but the poor fans who are waiting there. And then they obviously, they really? get a shorter race too yeah. because they have to fit it in that time. So. And you also can't really see it. Like when yeah. the rain is coming down, you can't see much and horrible. So yeah, it will be interesting to see what happens. I'm obviously hoping that, you know, all that weather passes and it's not as bad as they think. And yeah. we can have a good, safe as well, safe yeah. race. Yeah, our thoughts are with everyone in Imola because that is brutal. It's... Like the... Yeah, flooding is quite terrifying. And Carla, I will now bring us out fifth. Yeah, bring final, us home. We need it. Our final story. This is from Formula One dot com. 
I still have many, many years for sure. Bottas plotting long career in F1 ahead of contract renewal. Bottas has said that he hopes to stay in F1 for many more years. He's currently in his 11th season and he's started in 205 Grand Prix so far, which is a lot. So he's the fourth most experienced driver on the grid behind, who do you think, Carla? Guess. Well, Fernando Alonso. Lewis Hamilton. Correct. Mm, who else is kind of old? Nico Hulkenberg, maybe? Checo. Really? Yeah, you always forget. He's, I think he's quite old. He's been around the block. And he, he Nico also was out for a bit. Oh, I guess. Yeah, he but he was, yeah, right. Interesting. Checo, there you go. So, Bonas was talking to Tom Clarkson on the Beyond the Grid podcast. Shout out to Beyond the Grid if you want to also <laughs> shout out. Um, great podcast not as good as this one (laughs) i've heard good things about this but he was saying he hopes he can remain on the grid for a lot of years to come he did say that there was stuff that would kind of influence that decision um the way the sport was going the, the atmosphere what team he was driving for and he did say that you know at some point he thinks he might just decide that it's easier to stay at home and relax rather than always being on the other side of the world and mm-hmm. having to, to pack his suitcase. And I do think that would be hard. But yeah, sounds like he would like to stay around for a while. His contract expires at the end of 2024. And interestingly, Audi are taking over Alfa Romeo in 2026. Oh, so there's been yeah. some talk about if he would like to stay when the team does that changeover. So I think that would be really interesting to see. It it is kind of interesting though these these older drivers who you know obviously they've earned their place and you know I'm loving seeing the the kind of rebirth of Fernando Alonso and and I would love to see Lewis you know getting back up onto podiums and and winning races again, but you you know the longer these older drivers stay around, that's a spot that they're taking taking from these younger rookies. So kind of what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Yeah, in one vein, I think it is amazing. And I think as, you know, technology gets more advanced and people are taking better care of themselves than ever, you know, I think you see it even with our parents. It's like 60s and you 50 and everyone just it seems younger and younger. But yeah, it is really I was thinking that when you were talking about the story, I was like, I would not like to be a rookie or someone who's just waiting to take one of these spots because before you'd have people retiring around like 30, 35, they'd be out of the sport, settling down, doing whatever they do. Um, but yeah, it it would be tough. Like there's just going to be less space for new talent. And I don't know if that's a good thing. I think also, I, you know, seeing someone like Alonso who, you know, has been in the sport for so long and seeing him have that revival probably makes people want to stay more. Yeah. If you kind of see drivers who, you know, had their heyday and then they, you know, might go to a to a low down team and then yeah. they kind of fade away. But seeing how Alonso mm-hmm. hasn't faded away, I would imagine if you were, you know, getting a bit older and you saw that, you thought, oh, well, you know, no reason that couldn't happen for me. I'll just keep keep driving. And you hear people like Lewis Hamilton saying that he... Might race to his 50. I, if anyone could do it, it, I would not put it past him, to be honest. He takes and such good care of himself. It's interesting, though, the, the difference you see 
in someone like Lewis saying he'd like to keep racing to his 50 or he might like to. And then Max Verstappen saying he only wants to race in Formula 1 for a few more years. Yeah. Now, there's nothing I can imagine stopping Max Verstappen from racing for... You know, he's young. He could race for another 20 years, probably, yeah. if he wanted to. But what do you think the difference is in, in why someone like Lewis wants to keep going, but Max is saying that in a few years he might be ready to mm. hang off the, the helmet, as they say? <laughs> True. That's funny. Look at you go. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. You've kind of been able to see their attitude difference for a while because, I don't know, like, I remember when Max first, I can't remember whose record he broke, but he broke a record, I don't know, maybe last year for a number of race wins. And as soon as people were giving him praise, he was almost like batting it away and being like, well, you can't really compare the racing that we do now to, you know, the legends of the past because we have way more races. So it's much easier for us to break records. But I feel like Lewis Hamilton does seem a bit more record focused. I don't think Max Verstappen's going to just like hang around just to be a record breaker. Mm. But Lewis Hamilton wants that eighth world title. So I can see why he would be incentivized to potentially just wait, see how long it takes for Mercedes or another team to develop a really competitive car and go for that last one. It would be so grim to be, like, right on the cusp of record-breaking. He had his eighth world title in his clutches. He did have it in his clutches. And some might say that it got ripped away from him. Unfairly. Unfairly. Some might say fairly, but a lot of people say unfairly. And so, yeah, I can see why he'd want to stay. And he is an icon. He's known as the GOAT. Well, (laughs) not the true GOAT. Go TV. <laughs> the true goal um, of the sport. He is so missed. But it's yeah. also interesting. You'd think, based on Bottas's previous performances, that he would be smoking Zhou Guan Yu. And he's not. Yeah. Do you think Audi, if they come in and take over Alfa Romeo, would he be the first person you would sign? I don't think so. Yeah. I think people are just saying that because... he. I think he's a very good driver. Oh, he's amazing. But I don't think he really has maybe the drive anymore to... To try as hard. He's just enjoying it. So maybe he won't be their first pick. But yeah. it will be interesting to see. Because mm, if it's just for purely enjoyment of the racing and maybe not to be as competitive, there's other other series he can compete in. Like, mm. you know, a lot of them go on and do... Also, this is just assuming. Bottas might be trying his best. Yeah, and but also, we love to be totally fair as well, if your car's not super competitive, it would be so hard to feel motivated. Oh, 100%. Like, you'd be like, well, why am I going to put my body on the line for... When you've been in such a competitive car, Yeah, too. And so, yeah, I don't blame him for just, you know, chilling out a little bit this year, enjoying the sport, you know? But maybe he might feel like doing Le Mans or something in the future. Don't know. But yes, it'll be very interesting to see how it all plays out in terms of the Audi transition. It will be. Well... Thank you everyone so much for listening to this week's Formula One 5. We hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back on Saturday with our Formation Lab episode where we will be deep diving into colour. DRS. What? Do you even know what DRS means? (laughs) You will soon. You will soon. If you're listening to us on Spotify, please hit that follow button. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. And if you're somewhere else that you've managed to find us, please follow us however you can. We are also on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, so please check our show notes 
and follow us. We're quite a new podcast, so we would really appreciate a five-star rating if you're enjoying hearing us chat. Have a great rest of your day.